Okay. Home stretch. Okay, Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And far and from the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and am not silent. So there's our first part, right? What's the psalmist saying? Pretty harsh word there, isn't it? Forsaken. I'm going to look that up in the dictionary. That's, you know, same as synonymous with abandoned, left, alone, deserted. Okay? That's a strong accusation to make against God. Why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? That's kind of an interesting statement, isn't it? What's the implication there? Anybody? What's the implication there? You're forgotten, okay. What else does it say? Or does it imply, if you will? Yeah? Did I do something? Good. How come you're so far away that you can't even, you're, you're so far away in my mind that you're too far away even to help me? Maybe you don't care, exactly, okay? And from the words of my groaning, so it's not like, you know, again, you're getting the sense here that this isn't the first time that this topic has been raised between God and the psalmist, right? By the time you get to groaning stage, groan and moan, you know, it's probably, it's probably an old story. So we know this isn't just some little thing that's come up. Okay, then the next thing, again, remember I told you that the, uh, the, the different components were not going to be in order. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. Kind of funny, huh? I didn't say I'm trusting you right now. When I, Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. Okay? So here we still have that same sort of thing. It's kind of like halfway saying, well, I guess I believe in you. I guess I believe that you're, you're still out there. My fathers did. Isn't that an interesting way of putting it? It's not a personal statement. It still reflects something that's in there. But it's, it, it sure stops short of saying, I believe in you, I still trust in you, I know you haven't come through, but it's all they reflecting on them. Okay? And maybe even there's a little bit of self-assessment in there in the, on the part of the psalmist 
thinking that maybe there's something wrong with him or her, right? Because what's the next statement? But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head. We are listening to this book on our, our recent trip to visit my family in Southern California. And um, there was a character, was a, my, my daughters loved to listen to books on discs, so we were listening to this book called The, uh, the Westing Murder or something like that. Anyway, it was a kind of a fanciful tale. It was, it was really fun. But one of the characters, I was thinking about this, one of the characters was this woman, and my daughter hates this now because I started doing it just for fun, just to bug her. But she would do this. You know, and I actually used to have an aunt that used to do that. Whenever she was displeased with something, she'd just make that noise, okay? So anyway, so this guy is, uh, they shake their head, they shoot out the lip, whatever else they do. But we gather that, don't we? It's not just the people who are doing this to the psalmist. There's a sense there. Do you get the sense that this has a lot to do with personal image, self-image? I mean, who calls themselves a worm? Somebody's depressed. Good. <laughs> Very good. Somebody who's depressed. It's nothing to laugh about, but it is, it is true. Somebody who's depressed. So he's a worm, or she, and no man or no woman. Reproach of men despised by the people. So we get a sense. What, what is the affliction here then? Do you think? Anybody? What's the affliction? Rejection. Okay. What else? Okay. Kind of like piling on, isn't it? It sounds like somebody with a pretty low self-image, maybe something happened and then everybody else around is piling on, so it's just steamrolling. And then on top of all of that, even God's not responding. So we're talking about a pretty low point here, aren't we? This is what you call a lamentation. This is a real lament. I'm a worm, everybody hates me, and now you've abandoned me. Okay, a lament psalm. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. I am poured out like water. Sorry about that. And all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. Okay, so now it isn't just that God has abandoned the psalmist in this time when he's, you know, the psalmist is basically put upon by some people, pretty despised, rejected, perhaps. Now, in order to really get God to respond, the psalmist ratchets up the level of oppression. Now there's strong bulls. I mean, it's beyond just people shooting out their lip, right? You know, that, that was kind of on a personal level. Now that, you know, you see that? 
the lament escalates to another level now. So now there's raging bulls roaring like lions. They're going to crush him. And so now it's saved me from the lion's mouth. From the horns of the wild oxen, you have answered me. I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him. And fear him, all you offspring of Israel. Shall bow before him, even he who cannot keep himself alive. Okay, so finally, at the very end of the psalm, or near the end of the psalm, that's not the end of it, but very near the end, the psalmist finally comes back around and says, okay, you know, I give up. I remember who you are. I remember what you can do. And here's what I will do. And he doesn't say, he doesn't say, if you do this, then I will. Okay? I will declare your name. And again, you know, we don't want, you know, don't read too much into it. Take it for what it is. That's the great thing about the psalm. So if it doesn't say it, there's probably no hidden meaning in there. So there's, it's, not a, it's not a give and take there between the psalmist and God. It's basically saying, okay, I've said all I need to say, God, but you know what? I'm going to declare your name. Because I still trust in you and reflecting back, just like my forefathers or just, just like my predecessors did. And I'm, I'm going to do this thing. So there's, you see the completeness there? The complete range of emotion that's expressed in that psalm? So that is a lament psalm. And there are many others. You can look them up. Um, Yeah, we don't know. We don't know, right? We don't know. We don't know how long it took to write this. You know, was it a, a journal book entry that, uh, that lasted a few weeks or, you know? It very well have been. We don't know. Could have been. That's a very good point. See, again, don't, don't take it so absolutely literally, well, I just sat down and wrote this poem. You well, know, like anything that's written, it might have been a work over a little period of time. There was, there was processing going on in the midst. Yes? Just a comment that's really interesting as I read this, that the praise kind of sinks down more deeply when you know it comes after the lament. I don't know, something about it mm -hmm. just makes it feel different than just a praise, praise, praise song. You know what I mean? Like you, you can feel like where it came from. Yeah, absolutely. And she is not a plant. <laughs> this is going to be a segue because after, after we go through the next, we're going to conclude with a summary. And that's exactly where the summary is going in terms of, of the depth of praise. And we'll, we'll look at that. I don't want to jump off on that. So, Okay, other questions on that lament song? Anybody else? Skip. Okay. Praise psalms. Um, praise psalms pretty much speak for themselves. There's not a lot to, to put in there. You'll know one when you see one. You'll, you'll see what praise is. And I, I put an example here. Um, and again, a praise psalm is literally just saying, you know what, I'm going to get up today and I'm going to praise you. 
It's, it, they're usually, the, praise, the individual praise psalms are not necessarily connected with any event because there are elements of praise in many of the psalms. But a praise psalm specifically, if you will, using that term, is, is pretty much just straight up praising God. So I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell all your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing to your name, O Most High. Anybody up there? No, Marty, you up there? Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So that's real straightforward. Again, the praise psalms that, that we see and you can find there are, are just straightforward praise. And guess what? They are great resources. If you just someday want to say, you know what? I, I'm not very poetic. I can't make up a song. I'm not musical or, you know, I, I'm not going to write a poem to God. Let me go to the psalms and find something, and, and today, I'm just going to read this out and literally declare it in a loud voice, in, you know, well, not a loud voice, but, you know, literally give voice to one of the psalms and then just dedicate that to God as a prayer. That's a great way to use a praise psalm, and that's, that's what they're for, is to say, Lord, I just love you. Today, I'm going to praise you, and I found this praise psalm here. I'm just going to read it out loud, because this is how I feel. So again, the Psalms is an expression of, of emotion. Okay, questions on any of the types that we were talking about? Yes? 23rd. Uh, let's see. I think the 23rd is a praise psalm. I'll tell you in a minute. Oh, look at that, Psalm 23. Yeah, in, in my Bible, it calls it a psalm of trust, okay. which is not one of the ones we covered. But that's kind of a... Yeah. There's confessional psalms that just talk about the nature of God, that God made the heavens and earth. Yeah. Different scholars group of different... Yeah, that's what we were talking about. There could be... A, there are actually many, many. All we did was just cover a... Just a, you know some of the some of the basic types, so that one it, it is just designated as the psalm of trust. And when you look at it, that makes perfect sense. What the psalmist is saying there, in Psalm 23. Good question. Others about types, many many types. Maybe you even get motivated to uh, if you have a study Bible, go and look at it, or to you know get a little resource for the psalms. It would be very helpful. Very, very helpful. Okay. As I was thinking about how to finish out this week, um, ending up there with the, um, with the Psalms, I was drawn back to a section of this book, and this is an old version, so it may look a little different. This is Thomas Merton, who I referred to a little earlier. And this little tiny, it's a, look, it's really tiny. It's called Praying the Psalms. Now, it's really tiny, but Merton, like some of the, the real contemplatives, it, it's not a book you just sit down and read. You kind of like read a page or two and then reflect on it and think if it's, you know, really makes sense to you, um, you know. But uh, anyway, uh, Merton on that one. I'm not recommending necessarily you buy it. I'm just telling you that uh, that's, that's where we got this from. But in his book, Praying the Psalms, um, right near the beginning, 
uh, he does a great reflection, I think, on this topic that was just raised about, about praise. And we'll use the word more generally. Let's say just giving God his due. Okay? When do we, when do, we do that? How do we do it? Why do we do it? And so we're just going to read through this. It's in your handout. I'm going to stop along the way and make some comments. It's just for your consideration. It's not necessarily what I or the church absolutely believe that you should be like or anything, but it's just a, a point for reflection, okay? Just a, something to get us to think about it, okay? So Merton says this about in, right in the opening. To praise God, do we know what it means to praise to adore, to give glory. Praise is cheap today. And mind you, Merton was writing this in the, I think this was written in the late 50s. So we're not talking about 19, you know, the new millennium. He's, already, he's talking back, you know, barely at the beginning of the modern age. Praise is cheap today. Everything is praised. Soap, beer, toothpaste, clothing, mouthwash, movie stars, and all the latest gadgets which are supposed to make life more comfortable. Everything is constantly being praised. Praise is now so overdone that everybody is sick of it. And since everything is praised, with the hollow enthusiasm of, and I put in here the media, it turns out in the end that nothing is praised. Praise has become empty. Nobody really wants to use it. You know, if you're a sports fan, how many superstars are there now in the world? You know, it used to be a superstar was reserved for the absolute top of the top. Not just somebody who was the best right now, but somebody who, if you compared them historically, were one of the best ever. And there was no, no disputing about you know, again, giving the sports analogy, a, an individual being at the top, okay? So we've been hearing about the Olympics and uh, uh, Michael Phelps, well, Mark Spitz, who won seven gold medals, I think most people would acknowledge, was a swimming superstar. But now there's superstars all over the place, aren't there? Stars of this, greatest that, greatest lists of this. And that's what Merton's referring to all the way back there almost 50 years ago. Actually, about 50 years, because I think the book was 58. So about 50 years ago, reflecting on the fact that praise is just cheap. Just cheap. Are there any superlatives left for God? They've all been wasted on foods and wonder drugs. There's no word left to express our adoration of Him who alone is holy, who alone is Lord. And isn't that an interesting reflection? And we, A lot of times we don't stop to think about the language we use, our method of communication. You know, God's just thrown in there in the mix. Everything's great, super wonderful, awesome. Okay? So what is God? Well, that was an awesome movie I went to see. Okay, how about an awesome God? You know, is God really the same as an awesome movie? The awesome God? 
And again, I'm not, this isn't for accusation. I'm just talking about for reflection, just thinking about, you know, within this context, that, you know, what Merton's trying to say, the cheapening of praise, that we just don't see God for who God really is. Just, you know, sort of out there. Okay. So we go to him to ask help and to get out of being punished and to mumble that we need a better job, more money, more of the things that are praised in the advertisements. And we wonder why our prayer is often so dead, gaining its only life, borrowing its only urgency from the fact that we need these things so badly. Okay. Should we not ask, pray for a job or, you know? No. That's not what he's saying here. But if our only prayer, our only praise of God is a give and take, you give me this, I'll give you that. I'll acknowledge how great you are. Come on, come through for me. Then there's a cheapening there. And the reason Merton is talking about it here is because it stands in absolute contrast to the Psalms. Where praise was given to God regardless of the circumstances. God was acknowledged as awesome and powerful and the great provider, the Savior, without necessarily having to, you know, give for it. And that's, that's, what, that's the contrast that, that Merton is painting here. But we do not really think we need God. Least of all, do we think we need to praise Him. Well, that's a hard statement. Just take that with a grain of salt, okay?